And now for our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Botching It Up podcast. Every bruise, bump, and botch. Wrestling, you've been put on notice. Oh, let's get ready to ramble! Oh, go be professional, yeah? You sound like you're on the verge of a breakdown. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Botching It Up. The, 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 the... Oh, you <laughs> fucked it too. We're talking about the Ministry of Darkness Part 2. You definitely yep. didn't check out the first part and you probably won't check this one out either. But give us a listen on Spotify. You, I'm My name's Ben Ito. And you're here with, I'm here with, <laughs> I'm here with my good friend, Basil. Yo, yo. <laughs> you did a pretty <laughs> And, and uh, now we're getting into uh, wrestling and I've got a speech prepared to begin us off with something or other, which is usually pretty good. And then my friend Basil's going to make some pretend criticism about something or other or go on a tangent about what he ate for dinner that was that was a really great intro man i think i think we should swap jobs you should you should do the intros from now on <laughs> i'm proud I just, of you I, I just ramble yeah i'm proud of you thank smashed you. it thank nailed you. it thank you okay so this is part two and it should be noted that we're both a bit slow and grumpy because we're doing this immediately after part one you're not supposed to tell them that that's a trade secret oh trade secret movie magic fine we're professionals let's get this done so <laughs> we're not professionals we're both sitting on our beds at 11 p.m i usually sit at a desk but hard times whatever so, raw the 29th of march 1999 so this well, is raw after mania 15 yeah we're one day removed from big boss man being brutally hanged murdered. and michael cole literally going straight into shelling the pay-per-view mm, murdered on pay-per-view so the big the big topic of this raw is that stephanie is with vince she's backstage and uh really it's still kind of the steve austin storyline vince doesn't want to give steve austin the custom belt back um and shane is trying to convince him not to do it and stephanie is trying to convince him to do it because they don't need the aggro this is also where the undertaker go starts to become several layers of full-blown predatory right here's yeah this is how it starts off in other news, Stable is like the fourth face of the company after Rock, uh, Austin Mankind. She's McMahon's mill ticket, according to the Undertaker. So she is out. She's going to do a promo. The Ministry of Darkness uh, just come out and interfere in her promo. Undertaker like comes onto her quite badly. And she starts acting like a stripper in front of him. Uh, but it's even even creepier than that because she starts acting like a stripper for him because she's surrounded by six to seven men yeah it feels like a survival instinct which is just all levels of absolutely this is there's no way else to put it this is like the most rapiest thing i've ever seen and she is the women's champion so no respect at all um and so he starts to choke her instead i mean even like like the sexy dancing doesn't impress him whatever he starts to choke her and then he threatens vince that he will slap her like a twig 
so there's also kind of a small reference here that stable means something to Vince. Also a bit weird. I do have to just let you know that after leaving the company, she filed a $110 million lawsuit against the company, citing allegations of sexual harassment and unsafe working environments, which I feel like we saw both mm-hmm. of here. I mean, I want to say different era, but that doesn't really make it acceptable. Well, this is what we talked about before. There's points where WWE at this in this era is becoming a blue movie. It, 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 there's, it was a it was a different era and we had like crazy Jerry Springer stuff and stuff that wouldn't be allowed today in like Adam Sandler movies and South Park pushing pushing the button but I still feel like at this point WWF was in a on a level of its own in in terms of producing content which is just downright tacky and unsavory yeah and <laughs> The attitude toward women is just going to get worse as the weeks go on here. Uh, so Vince runs out of his office. He tells all the security to look after Stephanie, but he's going to go sort out this situation in the ring. He comes out into the ring, him and Taker go at it for a bit. And then kind of out of nowhere, Vince just yells Stephanie and run backwards, run backstage. And it's really weird. Like Taker didn't really say anything to like make him think something's wrong. It's just like he knew Sixth Sense that Stephanie was about to be got at. It was really weird. Yeah, we just we we kind of just went from a, an extremely unpleasant, predatory, choking angle into Scooby Doo farce, where <laughs> Vince McMahon has uh, superpowers to realize that he's been tricked, or he, maybe he just realizes that he's really dumb mm. and he's just left Stephanie alone, but. I'm pretty sure that the entire ministry was in the ring. Yeah. Was in the ring. So um, <laughs> let me just lay it on thick, like just how fucked this is. Taker's line, why he's still choking Stable, is that he obviously doesn't care about you, Stable. But let's see how he see if how he cares about his personal assets, and then just chokes her and drops her on the floor. Yeah, and then uh, Stephanie. Stephanie's been a abducted later in the show yeah and yeah well he runs backstage now shane is laid out on the floor stephanie's been abducted how the hell vince knew something happened i have no idea how did who abducted her uh it's never really was there everyone actually in the oh good question good question because i feel like they were but maybe they weren't i didn't catch that anyway I, I didn't catch that either uh so shane tells vince to call the police no, he doesn't. Vince wants to call the police. Shane says he'll deal with it himself. I think we can both agree at this point, and probably Brock Lesnar agrees as well, that th- this is not Undertaker acting like a, a villain at this point. This this is a an aggressive sexual predator <laughs> on this episode of Raw. This is not heel behavior, really. This is not undertaker behavior or oh, i say that but we're 24 hours removed from him hanging someone but yeah. it, it, it's just again not really necessary and, and they didn't have to write themselves into this store sort of storyline and the person with final creative control is vince mcmahon and this is directly involving lines such as she really is sugar and spice and everything nice yeah uh, in a in a really really creepy manner um, about his real life daughter, which he seemed 
excited to be putting on TV. So, but then also in 2003, and I believe No Mercy, he had a no disqualification match with Stephanie and tried to choke her with a, a steel pipe. He also, um, according to popular belief of everybody that was in the room, indicated a storyline in which he incestuously got Stephanie pregnant. And then she turned she turned it down, and then he said, "What about if Shane did it?" <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of man we're dealing with here. Yeah. The rest of this raw, uh, Ken Shamrock basically is going to help Vince find her. No one else is coming to Vince's aid. Um, Shane has got some problems with the Rock because Rock is turning face slowly, and Shane basically says, "I don't give a fuck." Basically, over the next couple of weeks, it becomes very apparent that Vince loves his daughter more than his son. And it also becomes very apparent that uh, Shane couldn't give a toss about his sister. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole story arc we're going to play into in a minute. Um, I feel like they, were, they did pretty well at uh, showing how much of a fucked up family the McMahons are, really. They are very uh, there's a little note about Shamrock here. Shamrock, throughout this, the duration of this feud, and obviously tonight as well, I think came across as really putting putting the work in like he he was he looked like a beast he looked hard as nails he he comes out with some great lines like <laughs> he says he's gonna uh, find the undertaker rip his leg off and beat it out of him what he was beating out of him or what with i'm not sure but <laughs> uh yeah no <laughs> But I, I can see why commentary played off Shamrock as a dumbass. Uh, they did it quite a lot. JR was pretty brutal to him. But I, I feel like in any other era, especially now, uh, Shamrock really had the chops to easily become a world champion. And he, he feels like he puts just as much effort into his... MMA persona and him being like an animalistic as Brock Lesnar does. And I really love the dynamic between him and Vince. It it really felt like as Vince and Shane were separating, it felt like Ken Shamrock was becoming the son Vince never had. Yeah, I know. I, really, I also liked that because uh, there was another layer to that, which is what I was talking about just now. That the commentary team were playing into the fact that Shamrock was a bit stupid, mm-hmm. so Vince was using Shamrock. And Shamrock saw like a really deep personal connection with Vince, yeah. which, which I enjoyed quite a bit. So the rest of this show, um, Shamrock has a match with Gangrel and then he gets a bloodbath after the match. But in the bloodbath, basically, he catches on to uh, Christian. And when the lights come up, he's got Christian in the ankle lock. And Christian uh, tells Shamrock where Stephanie is, has been hidden. And he just sprints out of the arena to go find her. Now, you mentioned this already, that he's covered in blood and she's covered in Nash and it looks dodgy. But I just wanted to add, as he's running backstage, he's shouting Stephanie and there is a stagehand or whatever just stood on the corner and Shamrock goes, where's Stephanie? And he's like, I think around there. (laughs) (laughs) So Vince has the entire staff of this arena looking for Stephanie and this one guy is right by her the whole time. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, Sham- that was definitely admit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was a mistake, I think. So he brings her back to Stephanie and like they're all faces now and they're just going home and they're, they're happily ever after. 
uh, in the main of, main event spot, Shane gives uh, a promo about his custom championship belt, and him and The Rock are going to have another match for it. And The Rock continues to feel like a, a, a pawn in this game, and it's continued the split of those two, which will happen at the SmackDown coming up. This seems to be where Shane starts to really come into his own and you can quite clearly see an incredible talent uh, lurking behind him, both in terms of uh, wrestling ability, obviously, but some of these promos over the coming months are really, really good, really strong stuff, uh, incredibly well delivered and, uh, you know, just very charismatic uh, presence. It's somewhat a shame that I guess in his hiatus from WWE that he lost his acting ability, I think, because his promos nowadays are nowhere near as strong as this stuff. Yeah, and another thing with Shane these days is that it was a bad case of forcing him down our throats. Uh, When Shane came back to face Taker in that Hell in a Cell, everybody was really excited. It was really cool to see Shane. I I feel like everybody was into it. Everybody popped for him. But then we just saw him every single month, and he he got that sort of go away heel heat where we just didn't, we just couldn't be bothered with him anymore. Well, to the point where, but then they tried to play that off with Kevin Owens being the Austin face, saying like nobody likes you, but then nobody liked Kevin and Owens enough <laughs> to fully believe in him. You know, but that's that's WWE's problem now. Like nobody likes anybody enough to go against somebody else in terms of the yeah. fans. That and they crowned him the best wrestler in the world. Yeah, that's non-canon though. Saudi's non-canon. Saudi's like those DC Elseworlds graphic novels where where Batman's a vampire. Okay, that's Earth 2. It's fine. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, So uh, April 4th on Heat. This is when we just turn it up and not. This is just batshit fucking crazy. And also... It's also incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable and, and... like some of the things they hint at are are genuinely sickening and you sit there for a second you think this is this is uh, trauma inducing so so this is an interview a sit-down interview by um jerry lawler at vince's house vince and stephanie are uncomfortably close snuggling on a sofa but it's not like that i think he's just trying to be overly protective of her and she doesn't well, he does. He does also kiss her on the mouth, though. I know. And we took the, the we absolutely destroyed Titus O'Neil for that. It turned out Vince was doing it as well. Yeah, on TV. So she says she doesn't remember that well what happened last week when she was abducted. Although, like, she obviously did. Vince kind of let slip that the photos in the envelope were can- candid pictures of Stephanie. They say she was at the shop. She was in her car. She was in her bedroom. The teddy bear also belonged to her when she was a child. Um, Lawler is the worst fucking human being ever because she's obviously distressed and he keeps probing her. Vince keeps cutting him off saying, we don't need to talk about that, but he keeps probing and keeps probing to ask what happened. And then finally, Vince comes out with this line that he's known Taker for 10 years and he's changed. He is becoming the creature that he created and it's no longer a character. He then calls him Mark Calloway, that this needs to stop. It's no longer business. Yeah, mixed feelings over this one. Quite a few points. Like, um, So it wasn't just Vince cutting her off. 
it was Vince inducing and adding to the idea of genuine uh, sexual abuse potentially. Was it, this was a sexual, but um, a sexually abusive ideology of what they were they were hinting at, right? So, like, she starts saying, "I don't mind talking about it. I can talk about it. I had these personal things," and it, like. Vince keeps saying, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And then she starts talking about her personal things. And Vince says, don't even go there. You know, it's, it's they're playing off really, really uncomfortable thematics here. Mm. Again, too far, man, just too far. But I, the, the other points of this promo was, I thought Laura did a pretty good job of induce subtly inducing the whole living the gimmick breaking the fourth wall thing i, I don't know whether he that was scripted or he, it was off the cuff but like he did a very good job of making that understated so that the, you could get the point across without him shout basically screaming it's all fake yep uh, ha- handled that very well and there's an amazing little bit at the end where which again is creepy, but it like it's more Scooby Doo creepy, like where she Stephanie says she only feels safe around her dad. That this really summed up the um, one of the issues of the ministry for me at this point, because Taker, when he's not choking women, acts like a Scooby Doo villain, it, like he's cackling and he's he's saying stupid stupid lines. It's, some of it's really corny. And if they're just broken into her house and um, like done pentagrams on her mirror, and they even showed it, they could even show a picture of a mirror with like a Satanist pentagram on it or whatever, then it would still be in that entertainment factor, that Scooby Doo crazy, right? This is a bit over the top, but it's wrestling. But they just took it to that next level on top of that. They took it to that next level, that really uncomfortable level where they, they, they didn't need to they really it wouldn't have made any difference i i don't feel to the to the 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 audience at home to the point where i I don't know whether i dream this but i feel like a couple of weeks later where stephanie's talking about being abducted again she says something she actually genuinely says something like undertaker kept touching her yep and the crowd cheers which is just like I don't even I can't I think comprehend that. I and mean, like we can say over and over again, it was a different time, it was a different era. But there's also a large part of this in which wrestling appeals to the lowest common dom- denominator, and they're writing trash for trash. Really, let's let's put it as it is. Let's put it bluntly. There's some raunchy stuff in in the late '90s, and there's some tacky stuff in the late '90s. And there's some stuff that would never be accepted now, but this was the lowest common denominator then, as it as it is now. You know, it's because we know res- wrestling's fictional. I think you could do a storyline which included rape. The way they've gone about it, where it's like, like you said, half cartoony and half realistic. It's not being done um, with enough maturity to be taken sensibly and to be taken seriously i don't feel like you ever would or ever should do a a storyline about rape first of all because wrestling is entertainment uh but there's other forms of entertainment which have these kind of storylines involved in right like this goes down this goes down to my second point of wrestling 
exists in a sort of Alice in Wonderland mirror. The, 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 given the history of the of the thing, and and not just the way it's rep- rep- represented, but also the shoot work. Wrestlers don't know what's a shoot and what's a work. Don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. Work, work. It exists in this parallel universe where nobody involved, let alone the people at home, ever really know what is fictional and what is real, which is self-created. They've done that as a sort of smoke and mirrors so that you're always sort of half believing because if you genuinely believed that it was all completely fake and you were never immersed in the storyline then you would get to a point where WWE is now where nobody believes anything nobody can get into anything so for for that reason I feel like there's certain topics which you can't use and which you shouldn't use because sometimes people will be immersed and sometimes people won't sometimes people will think this is real and sometimes they won't it's different from a scripted show with actors because these are real people performing in front of you wrestling is wrestling like you can have this character who wants to demolish the world and be like the joker from batman and uh, have all of these crazy sacrifices and stuff but then eventually they're gonna have to get in the ring and work a match if the wrestling isn't very good that undermines the whole story but even when the wrestling is good Everything that they've just done, suddenly they're they're just having a match. Mm-hmm. They're they're doing toe holds, they're doing um, headlocks, they're doing you know, and you're looking any fan with a modicum of intelligence, let alone a casual viewer, is looking at that and saying, well, they're quite clearly working together now. So that, for that reason, I feel like twofold: some things sh- can't and shouldn't be be used as storyline because it still comes back at the end of the day to a 20-minute time limit draw. A lot of these stories get so blown up that it's kind of a bit ridiculous. Like, at the end of the day, Undertaker would have just been arrested and sent to prison, not have his comeuppance against Steve Austin in three weeks' time. I love when, I love when Vince chooses to arrest Undertaker. And then sometimes he just sets his goons on him. When when did he get arrested? He got Vince didn't get him arrested, right? What did he get him arrested for? I can't remember now. That was uh, back when Bossman got put on the crucifix. Right. So the, so, <laughs> so Vince, Vince got Boss Vince got Taker arrested for putting Bossman on the crucifix that Bossman got off of five minutes later. Vince um, doesn't arrest Taker for uh, taking candid pictures of his daughter trying to kidnap her hanging him out from the ceiling he tried to get the police involved but the police thought it was a joke and didn't want to be involved where were the police at the 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 embalming well no one cares about steve austin he can go how has how has undertake so you but this this caused so many wormholes for me this this uh breaking the the fourth wall where we're now talking about mark calloway yeah you basically told me because I watched the 98 stuff at the end. So you basically told me the embalming stuff was bullshit. That was just... Yeah. That was Mark playing Taker. That's the risk you stand on, man, when you start breaking the fourth wall. Like, we all know it's fake, but, like, when you you point at it and t- and purposely involve that into your storyline, you, you're on a fine line there of make of just losing our focus completely. Also, yeah, man. And also, like, you're telling me that... Um, Mark Mark Calloway's gotten into too into his character by trying to kidnap Stephanie, which again tells me that the, the big 
boss man being hanged was a work. Everything else up, up till now, Undertaker's done is complete farce. I, I, it's a little, it's a little bit too fresh, isn't it? Like Mania was like last week. I I don't know. I like I like the idea of this interview because they've upped the ante. They've upped the stakes of this story, and they're trying to do a, a Vince face turn. So in the coming weeks, we actually really feel for Vince because he's just trying to be a good father and he doesn't really give a shit about all of this rock and stone cold stuff anymore. Like you said, it's hard to like get into the meat of that when you're now just thinking about, Oh, is, is undertaker Mark Calloway or like what's, what's happening here? Yeah, man, I, I know. I get it. I can see that elevated stuff and it added heat to it, but, I just feel like if you're going to talk about Taker breaking the fourth wall and getting too close to his character, they should have done that near the beginning uh, to signify the change in personality and the whole idea of the ministry and, you know, this this whole thing feeling different. And it's such a shame because Vince's acting is impeccable. He really nailed it. As always, as always, yeah. Just the subject matter of it kind of makes it fall a bit flat. And to be fair, like as much as I thought it was lewd and unnecessary, Stephanie McMahon seems to be having the time of her life through this angle. Well, is this is the first time she's been used on TV, right? Yeah, I think this is actually her like debut onto into can. Yeah, and she's immediately great. I said before that Stephanie Stephanie McMahon's facial expressions through this entire process are just amazing. Well, she sells the fact that she's like scared shitless of Taker really well. <laughs> So yeah, definitely. Uh, right, so let's move on to April fifth Raw. Um, again, Vince is backstage with a load of police with Stephanie, and just why the fuck has Vince brought Stephanie to Raw? He's just brought her to the danger. Just stay at home. I've got the exact same point. <laughs> um, what the fuck is going through Vince's head? Why didn't Stephanie just get a plane to Corfu? Yeah, just 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 get some bodyguards and just go somewhere else. Just don't be here. Anyway, Shane is just being a dick and he's trying to take over the corporation. Later, we have Undertaker and the Ministry come out. Taker tells Vince to give Stephanie his regards. And this is when he mentions the spice and everything nice thing. Uh, And then he says he's going to sacrifice her tonight. Uh, They're coming for her. Yeah, this is the Ryan Sherlock stuff. It's really interesting to me that I thought this build-up was the actual Ken Shamrock undertaker build up to the pay-per-view match was good despite the fact that this for me is my least favorite part of the storyline for the ministry of darkness because it's just so leery and horrible and like not really what i want to watch in my wrestling like you you got sable ryan shamrock i'm pretty sure you got another girl um through this like it's it's just yeah i don't know how else to describe it it's it's not something that i ever got into wrestling because of and i don't feel like anybody else no i don't think this has made any new fans definitely not it might have lost a couple um so later in the night the power goes out in vince's room um and then the lights come back on and then we're actually on the stage and then again the undertaker crucifix is on the stage and the ministry are all carrying a girl again super crazy rapey vibes here they put the girl onto the crucifix and the commentary team thinks it's Stephanie. 
They then lift the crucifix in the air and they take the mask off. And nobody has a single idea who the fuck this woman is. It's not Stephanie. The commentary team don't can't even explain it. Nobody knows. Anyway, in a throwaway line... I've been watching clips throughout since January 99. And I feel like you, you've been watching clips from Raw since Judgment Day 98. Did you Have you ever no, seen this No, we've literally woman? never seen this woman before. And it takes one of the members of the commentary team, I don't know who... It takes them what feels like forever for them finally to say, oh, wait, I think I've seen her face before. That's Ken Shamrock's sister. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, why do I right. care? Well, Ken Shamrock obviously cares. <laughs> anyway, they played it. Ken Shamrock got kidnapped by um, the Acolytes earlier on in the show, and we all thought that he was going to be sacrificed and whatnot, but it's obviously so that they could kidnap his sister without his involvement. There's far too much kidnapping going on. Vince and Stephanie leave the show of armed guards. Again, just why the hell did he even bring her? This all plays into next week. Again, Vince just brings Stephanie to the show. After everything that happened last week, Shamrock opens the show. He's pissed that Shane... It's another reason that I wish that they hadn't done the Jerry Lawler angle where they're talking about breaking the fourth wall. Because it's, it's in my head, and you're making very uncharacteristic uncharacteristic non-human decisions now you are yep. effectively playing into storyline so it's yep. you'll do basically told me that it's an even bigger work than you working me into a shoot as whole code <laughs> play brother <laughs> oh it's just a wormhole of shoots and and works now <laughs> um so the corporation opened this show we're on april the 12th april the 12th Shamrock is absolutely pissed that Shane and the rest of the corporation uh, didn't help him and didn't help his sister. And then basically Shamrock is splitting. He actually walks away from them in this segment, um, just like The Rock had done a couple of weeks before. Uh, Shane is now fully in control of the corporation because Vince doesn't care about anything apart from Stephanie. I think he says this every single week. I don't give a shit. You just do what you want. All I care about is Stephanie. Uh, Shane tells Vince his priorities are out of whack and that he's losing his balls. And this, and then he lays into Pat Patterson and Briscoe, the Stooges. And this is when Shane like properly takes over the corporation, if you like. At this point, honestly, um, since the day after WrestleMania, this is for me where, despite some of the good stuff they're still doing with Taker, the ministry is dead at this point. The the focus of interest on ministry is taker versus vince and then taker versus austin viscera and midian and the acolytes i think the brood's already gone or maybe they, they go tonight i can't remember but it, like at this point they've completely gone into the background and the ministry doesn't really feel like the ministry anymore it's it's the undertaker again so the, the actual ministry of darkness which we set ourselves to look at, I would classify as dead in the water post-WrestleMania. I think uh, when we started this thing on part one, I said that the biggest downfall is that they just become piece of the Vince storyline. They just get lost in the shuffle of a bigger story. Um, but it, I mean, it's, I mean, I, don't think... I feel like Trip uh, Taker at this point is starting to get lost in the bigger Vince story, and he will do, especially down the line a little bit. But the, what was initially that cool vibe of the ministry coming out and looking like creepy badasses is just completely thrown 
just literally throw it away. I think like they never really properly had their own feud. Like from day one, they were always caught up in this corporation Vince Stone Cold Shane stuff. Just from the very get go, it'd make it'd be very it'd be very very interesting if mandatorily they had to rebook a ministry in 2020 and the directions that they would go with it because there's so many things that they wouldn't do anymore but there's also so many more opportunities so let's face it the ministry was a, a footnote really like a, a quite extended one which had some um genuinely memorable moments but it was still a, a footnote in the wider attitude era i feel like any time after 2004 the ministry of darkness would have taken over wwe it would have been the biggest thing on any show ever but because there was so many people doing so much stuff in the attitude era the ministry of darkness was like one of the lesser things yeah yeah, it's crazy that this whole evil, evil spirit, devil stuff is just lost in the job. It's just part of what, it's just one of the many novelty acts. So on this show, Ken Shamrock is still looking for his sister. She's been kidnapped for a whole week. Quite, I think, gentlemanly, Undertaker has uh, brought her from one arena to the next arena <laughs> instead of just leaving her behind. This is a nice thing to do, I guess. Didn't you um, mess so, with Deborah on this show really creepily or something? Yeah, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart versus the Acolytes. This breaks down into a big brawl. Um, why has actually... Jarrett and Owen Hart been feuding with various members of the ministry for the last three months? Because they were tag champions. I never so saw them just... with the belts. Or maybe they lost it at Mania, actually, and now they're just, I don't know, whatever. Just plop in place, I suppose. Okay. Uh, it's it's Midian that grabs Deborah and gets all up in her face, and she's really bad at fake crying. Anyway, Shamrock sprints to the ring with a baseball bat. He gets in their face. He wants to know where his sister is, and Taker tells him that she's in the basement and that Vis Viscera has really enjoyed everything that she's been doing. What? Undertaker says that Viscera has really enjoyed everything that she's been doing I, in the last week. I completely missed that line, and I'm really glad that I did. That's just the rapiest fucking thing. Anyway, Shamrock sprints through the arena down to the basement. And I think my favorite thing of the last couple of weeks, Mankind's just chilling in the basement. She's shouting. He's shouting for Ryan, his sister. And then Mankind's just in there. It's like, she's with me. I'm keeping her safe. <laughs> it's fantastic. And then um, all of the um, ministry. I love, man, I love that back then they had people living in certain places and doing certain things and keeping to what they were as well. Yeah, I just love that he was there keeping her safe. Like, what a good guy. And Ministry have, like, followed them down there and they will start brawling and Mankind just gets in the scrap and starts fighting with uh, Undertaker. Uh, but they beat them both down and they pull Shamrock to the stage and they're going to crucify him now. Uh, but before Taker, uh, before they do that, Taker attacks Christian and tells Edge and Gangrel to put Christian on a second crucifix. Um, what was this about? Th this made no sense. No, it did make sense because Christian is the one that told uh, Ken Shamrock where Stephanie was. This was payback. <sighs> no, it made complete sense. Okay. I feel like I'd lost the strain at this point. So they tried to build this up of Christian being the, the weakest member of the group. Pardon the pun, black sheep. 
because he got whipped like a week before and they kept attacking the brood and stuff. But uh, I just, I thought it was really weak. Well, no, this whole thing. Yeah, but just Taker wanted to punish Christian for like failing him and telling Ken Shamrock where uh, she was hiding. And anyway, so the brood decide, you know, they're not going to do that and they just don't want to be in the ministry. They just all start brawling. Ken Shamrock escapes and that's, that's, yeah, that's that. I feel like if you get choked to death with a noose by your so-called mates, you don't then become more mates with them and realize your mistake about three months later. I I also think that at this point, the stuff that made the ministry cool in the first place, like that giant taker sign and then people getting put on it, has completely lost all um, charm. Well, it's just become because... a symbol of rape now. Yeah, but we've also learned with the with the Undertaker, big Undertaker sign that nothing actually happens. Yeah, yeah, they just get put they up there, and I guess when the show goes off air, they just get put down again. Because, so what? I mean, why do why should we I, as a playing audience really care whether somebody gets put on a stand? I thought this too, because like, say I was a victim and they were going to put me on a crucifix. Why would I fight it so much? Because I get put up there, it's a bit embarrassing, but whatever. And, at that point, the whole thing's gotten confused as well because they used the same red satin dressing gown that they used for Midian when they actually properly sacrificed Midian um, for Shamrock. So what? I don't, I'm not really sure what they were going to do with him up there wonder, to sacrifice him. I wonder when they sacrificed Stone Cold, the very first one back in uh, November or December when it was. I wonder when he got crucifixed and got put raised high, whether he stayed there for all of the fans to leave the arena. Or whether they lowered him like immediately after the show went off air. They were they were still pretty hard into kayfabe back then. I'm I'm sure he would have been up there for a little and while. And they kept him for the fans to leave the arena. But I, I don't. That would have been cool. I just I feel like they had no idea what they were doing when they put when they put Austin up there. They just put him up there because it looked cool and it was great. Because... The first time they did it was a fantastic visual. Oh sure, but they never they never figured out since apart from the fact that it was a great visual of what they ever actually did you know what would have been and that's quite clear when they put um i feel i think they put ryan shamrock up there and then we just cut to an advert break and it was all gone and shane was in the i room. don't know how they would have done this because probably impossible but um a lot of the time they had the crucifix like on fire or like it explode like every time they had the crucifix and it exploded like the crowd went absolutely crazy wouldn't have been so fantastic if they put someone up there and it exploded when someone was hanging on it. You're thinking like 2000 WCW now. Yeah, but like the visual <laughs> of it catching fire where someone was on it and then the show went off air and then two weeks later the person that was on it comes back and they explain on commentary like they went to hospital with burns. There's that extra layer there of like, oh shit, this is like some real bad shit you don't want to get involved in rather than... Oh. Man. I'm just trying to add some like no, I'm, to well, I'm sure, I'm sure, and I'm sure that they would have gone with that. I just, I don't want to add immolation to Undertaker's crimes at this point. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> just getting carried away. All right, so we're on April nineteenth, uh, Raw. Um, Acolytes versus the Brood. This is just to kind of sum up their whole thing going on. Shamrock interferes with a baseball bat, attacking the Acolytes. Uh, backstage, Taker is pissed off with Paul Bear, who tries to calm him down. Taker and Viscera attack the Acolytes and lay them out because they have also 
uh, failed him. So this is kind of the the first step of the whole thing breaking down, I think. I really like that Taker goes between full goatee, fork braids, and then a little Qui-Gon Jinn beard based upon his mood. <laughs> I loved his beard. I think, I think it's yeah, I it was great. I, I, I wish he kept it for longer. Uh, I find it very interesting, actually, that this was the last uh, representation of The Undertaker before he, deci- he decided that he needed to change gimmick. Do you think that's probably a reason why? Like, he saw that, that like, the whole dark menacing shit was, you know, not working. Yeah, I mean, it, it, doesn't that prove what we're saying of this stuff went too far? Yeah. It went so far that he knew he could not turn face again as The Undertaker. He had to go be the American badass to recreate himself in front of an audience that is dumb anyway. Yeah. Because I, I feel like if you were anyone else, you would not be able to survive this stuff. But even without this stuff, I think in 1999, the supernatural stuff is a bit played out. Like, at that point, the audience is too self-aware. I'm starting to understand a little bit more why Pritchard said he thought it was below Taker, because if Taker hadn't completely changed his gimmick, this may well have ruined Taker. Because there's certain things that he did during these storylines that people remember and people would remember. And I, I feel like he'd never get his babyface charm back. And he'd also play out his, his heel character eventually until he had nothing left. And the matches are just awful at this point. They're dire, man. I don't think I saw a good Taker match or a good Ministry match. They're all bad. And most of them just end in brawls. They're just non-finishes. Shamrock tried, but... It was still wasn't amazing. Mm. Taker gives Midian a phone call on a flip phone and tells him to go get his shit ready. This is maybe the least dark and menacing thing out of all of the ministry does. It's bad. Uh, later on the show, Vince and Stephanie are at Titan Towers. They're going to have another sit-down interview. Um, and then security tell Vince that there's a problem downstairs in security. He fucking flies out of the building. Like The guy's like in his late 50s, and he's... The stuff he's doing is This awesome. was one of my favorite parts. I meant Midian is outside in the car and um, they get into a fight and then Vince actually tries to run Midian down with his own car, uh, to which he misses. He hits a wall and then Midian somehow runs around and gets back into the car and escapes. <laughs> Just shouting son of a bitch over and over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> You want some of this, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was great. I like that bit. Can you tell me why uh, Taker came out at some point and beat up Big Show? Uh, Big Show has turned face. I don't think I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Um, so <laughs> him, him and Ken Shamrock have now kind of doubled up, and Ken Shamrock and Big Show are kind of going against Corporation and the Ministry at the same Didn't time. Did he debut? The show debuted the year of nineteen ninety nine, right? Just before Mania, yeah, as a bad and guy, he's and face. he's already now a face. Yep. Well, that, he, also, he also had a name change. He debuted as Paul White as a heel, and then about a month later, they turned him face as Big that's Show. That's really where it went wrong, isn't it, for for Big Show? He must look at that moment. You think that's what went wrong? I If I had Big Show, I don't think I would turn him face for, like, five, six years. I think... They needed a face, though. That was the problem. I think they just they made a mistake on the debut, bringing in a seven heel. foot giant. Yeah, but they got two big heel stables. They would in desperate need for baby faces. Then hire a baby face. Oh, I didn't tell you. Have you heard that the Big Show show is being canceled? Yeah, after one season. 
It was a good yeah. run. It's because it, it's a Disney program. It's got no place on it Netflix. It did well for a couple of weeks. I still believe what we were talking about with Netflix, that some sort of wrestling content could do very, very well on it. Mm, definitely. Okay, so we're at Backlash, uh, April the 25th. The Brooder against the Acolytes and Midian. Um, whatever, we don't need to talk about that you too much. That? Actually yeah. sat and watched that. <laughs> well, I mean, I got it, aren't I? <laughs> well, I don't, obviously. <laughs> uh, so Taker forgives the Ministry for their recent mistakes as they redeem themselves for beating the Brood. Uh, he announces that tonight there will be tragedy. That his literal words: there will be a tragedy. Uh, Ken Shamrock versus Undertaker. This match wasn't great. So the crowd really turned on it. Yeah, so they 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 were actually chanted bored, boring. Um, aesthetically speaking, it's got to be two of the coolest looking badasses that have ever faced each other. Like yeah. Shamrock, the visual of Shamrock and Taker looks amazing. They both look great. They both have uh, a sort of natural charisma to them. But I thought this match was pretty dire. And I, th- I feel like, again, it comes from... Like, while it was a decent enough match in its own right, after the sacrifices, hangings, bloodbaths, embalming, buried alive matches, McMahon house gatherings, like, you just can't expect a normal match, which is what this was. It was a slightly aggressive, normal match. And after you think back and look through everything we've seen, it just seems ridiculous that this is what it comes to. All of these things that we watch, all of these things that go way over the knuckle, all of these crazy satanistic um, television show things ends in a match. And that's scripted television shows, normal storyline television shows don't have to face. Their their season finale isn't uh, a wrestling match. Is that why you think The Fiend is always in B-movie matches? I feel like that's where The Fiend's shine went. I don't feel like The Fiend really messed up too much. Apart from the fact that in his feud with Seth Rollins, obviously Seth Rollins was a really bad babyface at that point. But it was also because once they finally took away the stupid red lights and stuff, because they didn't know what to do with him, people just watched this weird monster serial killer guy having normal matches. And you suddenly, it snaps and you realize, oh, this guy's not Leatherface. He's a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, it's just a wrestler. Which is why Doink works so well. Because he was both. But um, watching this match for a, for a second time, I believe this actually would have been seen as a very decent match, if not for the storyline surrounding it. Uh, the, the crowd were majorly deflated, as you would be if you've seen an execution a month before, right? But the, the actual well, match I itself, I feel like they put the work in and they tried. And again, the problem, I think, is... Ken, I know Ken Shamrock's like a face now, but he's been a face... He got turned face for this match. He's only been a good guy for a couple of weeks. So the crowd kind of think are still in the mentality of it's a heel versus heel. So like, who do you really... Although Ken Shamrock's sister did get kidnapped, so I suppose he's got a little bit of sympathy. Which is why this was the best book to the feuds. And we both said that this was the best book feud of Taker's ministry run. Which, but that's not really most, saying much. It had the most build out of all of his pay-per-view matches. It's still not really saying much, though, is it? You know, it's this was a really weak part of the whole ministry thing. But the, anyway, they I felt I felt like they tried 
And I felt like they tried despite the crowd response and things that were completely out of their control, really. If this match had happened in 2020, there would have been at least three CM Punk chants. <laughs> yeah. It was that kind of match. Yeah. yeah. So Vince asks the police to stand guard with Stephanie in the limo backstage. He is going to go to the ring for the main event, which is Rock versus uh, Austin and uh, the referee is Shane. Anyway, shit ton of shenanigans. Vince is out there. Uh, we don't really care. What we do care about is we cut to the backstage and the ministry of sprinted out to try and attack the limo. The police try and hold him off and then one yells to the driver to get out of there. Stephanie's screaming, no, wait for my dad, but the limo leaves. And then we cut to inside the limo. She's a bit worried that she's gone without Vince. And then the window next to her. Yeah, the window partition goes down, and there is Undertaker driving the limo. Where to, Stephanie? Yeah, I thought I'd leave that line for you. Thanks. Like one, so of, she... the, one of the hammiest lines ever. Yeah. This is what I was talking about earlier, where you've got these horrible, horrible thematics running through this this storyline, and then it goes full Scooby Doo almost immediately. Well, Taker is a really bad promo, and they let him talk way too much. Genuinely, right? Throughout this, he was like a really, really corny. Like, every time he talked, every time he said stuff, it was so over the top. It, was, it almost felt like they had different opinions on this character. I felt like, it, to an extent, it, it seemed like Taker thought this was going too far. Because whenever he was on a promo or doing a uh, talking over segment, it sounded so like 90s kids show mm. that I felt like he couldn't have possibly done that by accident. I, I guess like he just thought it was going in a different direction and all of a sudden he got caught up in a rape storyline. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a big fan of Paul Bearer, but even he can deliver a monologue better than Undertaker and he hardly speaks throughout any of this story. He was involved a little bit at the beginning and then that's it. I thought I thought Paul Bearer was one of the weirdest hanger-ons of the Undertaker's career, really, because he he did not suit the Paul Bearer that everybody knows did not suit this this version of the Undertaker no. at all, and he he turned up again a couple of years later for a little while, and he like he suited the Undertaker even less. What? But the Paul Bearer for some reason has always managed to be able to uh, get back on he turned TV. Turned up, didn't he, in like two thousand eight? And again, like Kane and Undertaker were feuding and he was like in the middle of that. Yeah, 2010 that was. He turned up in 2004 as well. Like various points in the Undertaker's career where like he should just not be part of Taker. He he finds his way. Yeah, in. I just feel like this, that's kind of the problem with Kane and Undertaker as well. Like they were just always coming back uh, feuding or teaming. Like they were just two characters that just couldn't be separated away from each other. To this day, like they 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 have matches together in Saudi all of these years later. Yeah, which I think is just damaging to their careers. Okay, so next night on Raw, Shane, Rock, Stone Cold stuff is happening. Uh, the Stooges tell Cornette is on commentary. Oh yeah, for one night only. He was on SmackDown as well. This was April the twenty sixth, nineteen ninety nine. By the way, <laughs> so the Stooges tell Vince to call the cops. Vince says he wants to do it Taker's way. He's brought everything with him tonight that Taker has asked for, which we find out later is like deeds to the company and shit. Um, 
and that he's gonna he's gonna meet him in like the back of the parking garage and have a trade off for Stephanie for power of the company, but then take a phones Vince halfway through the show and says he wants Stone Cold to do it. Whoa, this is some deep shit. Here we go. Austin has a promo in the ring, just about rock, nothing about this. And Vince comes out and pleads Austin to ha- for his help. He says, this isn't about business, this is about my daughter. And then Stone Cold is being really smug and tells him, tell me that Vince McMahon needs Stone Cold's help. And Vince says everything he, he has to say, he keeps apologizing, he's like begging, and then Steve Austin still just says, I don't give a shit, and flips the bird. Yeah, so the, given what is to come, Austin saying no to McMahon here both generates interest in the Stephanie storyline further, but it also uh, makes Austin's help later an even bigger sort of face move. Yeah, I mean, and if that didn't happen, like I would have thought at this point Stone Cold's the biggest piece of shit alive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but it, it just adds adds to uh, generate a bigger pop, really. At the, at the end, because of what they'd seen, Earlier in the night, the crowd was um, screaming "Austin, Austin, Austin" during the 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 whole ritual thing. So they they purposely set that up, and I thought that was another great piece of little work that they did on purpose. Uh, especially having Big Show and I think it was somebody else come out and say and Shamrock and Shamrock say, "Come on, that's the guy's daughter," you know. And Austin's like, "Nah, I don't care." Yeah, and, and and every time you see that, you, you're thinking like, okay, this is a bit different now. This isn't Vince. This is like a teenage girl, and Stone Cold doesn't, the baddest man on the planet doesn't want to help. But like you said, it's like building to something bigger, which I feel like is something that they don't do now. They don't tease these little things to, to have a bigger climax. Yeah, I feel um, like at this point, they also knew that Vince was going to be the higher power. I feel like this. You think? Yeah, I think this is the turning point where, like, halfway through the Stephanie abduction storyline, where they started to piece it together and realize that they didn't have anybody else and Vince would be perfect mm. for it. And it would lead straight back into Austin. It would do a full cycle. So, after the main event, uh, Vince is backstage and he's waiting to hand the briefcase over, but that's not what Taker wanted. No, he doesn't show up. Instead, the ministry drags Stephanie through a corridor. Uh, Taker strokes her face really weirdly because you've got to keep it rapey. They're in like a and Teenage then they... Mutant Ninja Turtles warehouse, aren't they? Huh? They're in like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles style warehouse. No, they come out to the arena. Oh, you? Those, they're in like a disbanded warehouse at some point and Paul Bearer is holding a book because I even wrote it down. It's called Ministerium Ex Ascobus. Okay. And it's like a big purple book with nice glittering cold type font. Because you got, you got to keep it... Fabulous. So let's, go the, let's go on to the heinous stuff. This is heinous. This right. stuff. <laughs> so Stephanie is brought out to the ring and she's strapped to a take a crucifix that's just resting on the ropes. Um, oh yeah, this is the book you're on about. Paul Bearer's got the book that he's about to read, like the 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 sacrificial whatever. Satanist rites, the Ministerium ex archiba. So, so this is the unholy matrimony. Undertaker is going to marry. Stephanie, and this came out of the blue. I don't, I wasn't expecting this. I don't think the crowd were expecting this to happen. No, this was, um, this was announced as they were doing it. Yeah, um, we all thought like she's going to be sacrificed again or something, and then like, nope, he's going to marry her, which is super weird. Ken Shamrock comes out, tries to make the save, but the uh, acolytes beat him up. Big Show comes out, does a little bit better. Um, 
and then finally we get Stone Cold come out and, and put a stop to the just a little bit there. Paul uh, Bearer says to after the unholy union thing, Paul Bearer says to take a do you allow her to bear your offspring? <laughs> oh, it's just And he goes This is messed up. It's so goes, messed up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's screaming, no! Um, this was a bit where, to me, I didn't mind it as much. It got a couple of chuckles out of me because it had gone full fast. Like, it had almost, yeah. like, flipped a switch from what we were seeing two or three weeks ago. It had gone, it had gone full ridiculous stupidity. Paul Bearer carrying a little purple, um, nicely bound, pretty little book. It's, it's just... <laughs> I enjoyed, I quite enjoyed this whole thing. Paul Bear keeping it fabulous. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, but what was great is he says you can now kiss the bride and then the glass shatters and it, the crowd just absolutely roars. I feel like that glass shattering is one of the biggest appeals of Stone, the Stone Cold Steve Austin character. And I don't think he would have ever have gotten pops as big as that without that glass, honestly. It's, yeah, because it's just it's 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 a signal before the music. It's just telling you like now to cheer. Yeah, where we what are we doing? Austin's out, beats up Stephanie, uh, beats up Taker. No, he doesn't beat up Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> Austin's out, beats up Taker, saves Stephanie. Stephanie hugs Vince. Stephanie hugs. Oh, Stephanie! Austin. Stephanie embraces Austin, and he's like creeped out by it. He doesn't like embrace her back. He's like really doesn't want her on him at all and then it looks yeah, like frigid here full episode of power rangers next <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh, vince and austin share a moment of like respect they nod and and like i don't, don't think they shake hands do they but no uh, no they, they stare at each other and austin's like well it wasn't about you and mcmahon's like yeah thanks anyway but they do it with their eyes so now is the SmackDown Super Special. It's in April. I don't know the date. Cornette's on commentary again. So it's the exact same stage as Raw is War, but now we have blue ropes instead of red. Sexy. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Vince opens the show. He's so happy to have Stephanie on his side, and he's going to change the errors of his race. He's a changed man forever. Uh, he wants to thank Shamrock for his help and Big Show, and a special thanks to Steve Austin, at which point, yeah, it's a, this is a point. Shane comes out, right? Shane comes out yeah, yeah, and Shane says comes out. he's got this perfect plan from the beginning and everything's, uh, uh, the company belongs to him now and he's going to take it by force and then Taker's music plays. And this was actually quite a surprise for me. So Shane says it's the, corp- it's what is the business merger from hell. The ministry and the corporation are becoming one the corporate ministry. The merger from hell. <laughs> this makes absolutely no storyline sense whatsoever. Like you said, half half of the corporation and the ministry were feuding against each other. Shane was fantastic here. I live for content like seeing Vince McMahon turning face and then still uh, re- re- like real life chuckling because the crowd's calling him an asshole. I, <laughs> I love stuff like that. Like Vince, I, he knew he was a face and he was supposed to look solemn, but he couldn't help but laugh that, at the crowd calling him an asshole. 
He's yeah. just such a natural bad guy, isn't he? Shane was really great here. It was actually really cool aesthetic seeing like Rock, Rock and Austin side by side when they were on the ramp. Yeah, because Rock has like just turned face now, so he needs that. He needs the he needs the rub off Austin. I think. See, I didn't know that Rock had turned face. Yeah, because he split from the corporation and he's been like telling Shane to do one, and um, so he's he's literally kind of fresh off that turn. Thoughts on corporate ministry, Ben? Kind of makes sense because you've now just got one big super heel group instead of two separate heel groups going against each other. But ideologically... No, it doesn't make no sense because half of them were always fighting against each other and now they're best buds. Like I feel like Satanism is more aligned with... Well, a lot of people would say I'm wrong, actually. <laughs> but uh, I feel like Satanism is more like aligned with anarchy than capitalism, really. Like the, I don't feel like Satanists make... Well, a lot of people would say I'm wrong, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't feel like Satanists make great um, businessmen decision-makers. Well, then, that's just the problem. They're not businessmen decision makers. Undertaker's just become a hired gun for Shane. He's just which he's completely just, signifies the end of of Taker. He's just a goon now. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 as simple as that. Uh, so the main event is Triple H, who is in the the corporate well corporate ministry now, uh, and Taker versus Rock and Austin, and again. A bit disappointing for the first ever SmackDown. It just goes into anarchy brawling. No nonsensical finish. Ah, uh, classic ministry. <laughs> classic corporate ministry. Vintage. <laughs> uh, Austin um, stunners everyone to close the show and he pours, Vin- uh, pours beer into Vince's face to revive him, which I thought was fantastic. So... Raw on the 3rd of May was the last ministry show I watched before the big reveal. Because at this point, the amount of people banded together and doing nothing is ridiculous. And while, while necessary for the storyline down the road, I just thought that this was completely the death knell for what the ministry was and represented. And there's two reasons that I stopped watching here apart from time constraints, but two reasons due to this actual television show. The first is the image of Viscera standing next to Pete Gas. Like, I've given up. You know, I don't even know what to say to that. That really sums up why the corporate ministry, as much as it was needed, was just a really stupid idea. Yeah, because no one really changed their look. Or even their style of wrestling. They didn't... No, it's, just, it's literally Viscera, who looks like the devil incarnate, standing next to Shane McMahon's rich friend. Yeah. And the the second one, the other reason that I stopped watching the ministry here, is um, Shane talks, Triple H talks. Undertaker is the third person in the ring to speak, like 15, 16 minutes in, which really sums it up to me. And he's the weakest to talk in the ring anyway. Yeah, but it, like he gets feel. his turn after Triple H. Yeah, and in, even after that, he just doesn't feel as important anyway. No. Like, the that, shit that was it, like, if you've got any highlights, 
that I won't go back and watch. Please let me know about them. What you meant? You skipped all of the union stuff. What? You sound so upset, mate. I've just uh, watched five months of this stuff. Well, apparently I've watched more. I've been recording for nearly four hours. <laughs> you missed the union. Which is... What was the union? Go on then, so, let me know. Ken, Ken Shamrock, uh, yeah. Big Show, uh, Mankind and test all decide that you know they've they've had enough of this bullshit and they 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 become the union to fight off the corporate ministry uh, which i just like like it's such a really bad name but then when you think about it for as long as what wwe probably thought about it it's quite clever because you've got you know you've got why they were carrying two by fours I'd, i can't tell you but that became their weapon of choice that they they just carried around all the time so it's it's also called Union, aka Up Yours, or Union of People You Ought to Respect, Son. Oh, what? Where did the second part come from? I don't know. That's from the Wikipedia. Oh, I never heard that. <laughs> I swear, I never heard that. I just it was always referred to as the Union, and it was. I really, really hope that's real. And it was just fantastic to see Mankind, Ken Shamrock, and Big Show all holding two by fours. I mean, it, like, it was such a Frankenstein stable, but like we just said, the, the corporate ministry was just a Frankenstein stable as well. So, yeah, uh, that was, uh, by the way, that actually was their uh, acronym. I never. Union of people you ought to respect, son, up yours. I bet that was said once right at the beginning. <laughs> and then the rest of the time, they were just known as the union. And I actually thought it was quite clever because it felt like a union of, of workers against the corporation anyway yeah no sure i get it that no that is that is pretty cool i i guess that's why they're carrying two by fours i guess the working working people i feel like that but... started because on one episode of heat they were trying to boss man locked all the doors barricaded them the corporate ministry in and the union were trying to smash their way in and i think they all picked up bits of wood to like smack at this door and then from that point onwards, they were just always carrying bits of wood. I might, I feel like that's how it started, but I might have my facts wrong. Anyway, uh, in the next couple of weeks, Shawn Michaels makes his return to TV. Nobody wants him as general manager, but he decides that he just still has general manager powers and does whatever he wants, tells people to go to matches that he wants them to have. There's a two-week There's a two week bit where one week Shane controls the entire Raw and I had to watch the entirety of Raw because he loads a ton of matches where the corporate ministry have the advantage over the union. And then the following week, Shawn Michaels... Oh, was that when he book, like, books a whole show? He books a whole show and it's just ridiculous, like handicap matches or stipulations where the corporate ministry I have did, the advantage. Did briefly watch a bit of that. And then the following week, um, Shawn Michaels does the exact same thing but flips it on his head so the union have the advantage. Uh... But there's not there's for the actual ministry for for horror, which is what we're meant to be looking at here. Everything's disappeared now. The ministry have just become hired guns for Shane. Yeah, and I mean, Viscera and Midian and the acolytes never had any personality anyway, really. So now they're just strangely dressed members of the corporation. Yeah, there is. 
I can't find in my notes the date, but there is one fantastic match where Midian versus Big Show, and Big Show gets the eyeball that we talked about, Midian's eyeball out of the jar, and just squashes it in his hand, squeezes the eyeball, and then he forces it into Midian's mouth. That's fun. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little like end to Midian's character, because after that, I don't think I ever really saw him do anything of note. Do you reckon he cried when he shit his eyeball out? Mm, I don't think he ate it. Okay. <laughs> was it even a real eyeball to begin with? Not just like one of those, like... Oh, it's probably, like, it actually looked more realistic than the ping pong ball that they used for an actual eye match, so... Mm, true. Um. So then, eventually, we get to the over-the-edge pay-per-view. Um... Which I still feel uncomfortable is on the that it's on the network. They've completely they've completely cut out all of the Owen Hart stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I I just don't like I don't agree with the fact that the show went on ahead like went on anyway. But there's there's no real need to have cut out that bit and put the show on the network. Is there just like as a as a sign of respect? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm in a difficult place about it because wrestling's not a real sport. I get that. But in dangerous sports, if someone dies, the event still goes ahead. Yeah, but the, the event went ahead. That's fine. But not, it, well, that's not fine. A lot of people criticize the fact that the pay-per-view still went ahead. Well, no, I'm one of those people. That, I'm one of those people, but it happened. Like, it's happened. But what I mean is... Why would you then put that event, cut that bit out, and then put the event on your network for posterity? Yeah. Why release that tape? It just seems it seems uncomfortable. Like you you're sitting watching a show that a crowd is watching that just saw a man die, and you're sitting watching wrestlers after that incident that know that their friend is dead. Like it just it it doesn't sit right with me. It was an awkward watch. I got I got to be frank. Um... I just feel like anything on that show isn't worth watching anyway because nobody's heart is in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, there was no standout matches. There wasn't anything great here. Um, But anyway, Austin did go against Undertaker in the main event. Um, There's shenanigans about refs being replaced. Shane comes out as a ref. Pat Patterson comes out as a ref. Vince comes out as a ref. Uh, Undertaker choke slams Patterson. Vince is on TV on this pay per view. Uh, yeah, because it was set up that he was meant to be a referee in the main event, but then on Heat, the corporate ministry beat the shit out of him, and he has to go to hospital. And then he kind of like turns up as a referee, like in the last minute. Okay, I feel like we should get to the higher power. Okay, I'm trying to find it. My nose. So Taker becomes champion. Yes, Taker becomes champion and actually keeps it for quite a while. And he... Despite feeling like less of a champion than a couple of months before. Yeah, it's really weird because Shane is now like the face of the whole story. It really kind of l- makes the championship lose its shine because you've given it to someone who just has no momentum. Really amazed me, how, but he that's the sad thing, right? Undertaker had momentum up until WrestleMania 14. 15, sorry. Yeah. Then, then it fell off a cliff, and so did Bossman, and it just like it never seemingly recovered. And then they just kept 
working themselves into holes and trying to work themselves back out of them again and they just never truly got anywhere with that all right let's uh let's move forward i want to talk about um before we get to the higher power june 7th okay because vince opens the show um and he's in his wrestling gear and he's hyping up who the greater power is gonna be um and he runs down the relationship of taker and the greater power he says he doesn't care who the greater power is he's challenging them to a no holds barred match thinking that it's shane so he's challenging shane and he wants to put Shane up. He wants Shane to put up 50% of the company against his 50% of the company. Shane Shane comes out and accepts the match but says he's not the greatest power. But to, oh this is when it's revealed. But tonight Taker will bring out the greatest power and tell you who it is. Um, so this is this is the higher power reveal episode. Yeah. 7th of June. This yep. is this is also the night where they have the Lions Den match which looks exactly like the fight pit. Oh, I need to check that out. Um, yeah, because it's quite funny. Because it's not a, a match at all. Ken Shamrock just smashes Vince's head in with a chair and then walks back out again. Nice. What no, they use that no, whole? Sorry, uh, they got that whole structure and put it together for for two seconds. Yeah. Okay. I imagine that mustache structure must have been used before or again at some point because of what? Because they hardly explained exactly why. I don't remember it at all. It feels really weird that they would put that whole thing together for not using it, though. That just that doesn't really make any sense. Mm. Corporate ministry walk out to the ring. Um, they're going to say who the higher power is. Uh, Shane is in the ring, and then someone comes out in a robe. And this was so great, man. This is out if out of everything that we've watched for the ministry and all of this pain and suffering that you've put me through. Um, this has been, I've watched it twice now. This has become one of my favorite moments in wrestling history because you've, you've got the higher power walking down the ring, like Emperor Palpatine and the undertaker is Darth Vader. And then like, it's so beautifully, so beautifully wrestling, uh, Shane calling out Vince and then baby face, big puffed up, pumped up. Uh, Vince is on the Titan Tron and he says, I'm far enough away, Shane. And he's like, Oh, you, you're, you're going to get what's coming to you. You're going to, you know, and then it was me all along. God damn it. <laughs> and Shane's face just absolutely drops. But then he can't help but smiling because, because he's seeing the reaction from the crowd who are genuinely surprised. Cause and he's been all along too. But it's it, twenty years later. Moments like this, when they actually, they actually got the crowd. Like when they actually did something that nobody was expecting. And yeah, that those moments live forever. That that was. We all thought Vince was in the back, and the way they blocked it was, like you said, it was just absolutely perfect. That just you just couldn't see that coming. And then you couldn't. And then, like, it not only was that satisfying enough. Because at that point, you know, fuck the ministry. <laughs> That's basically what they're telling us. Yeah. Um, but they, they managed to work in an alternate alternate plan from what they absolutely did not have pre-booked and make it satisfying and then go straight into McMahon-Austin thing again, which was perfect. It, was like a, it felt like a complete satisfying fool 
then they've got another thing which nobody was expecting either, which is the next segment where <laughs> Stephanie and yes. Linda come out. Stephanie and Linda will come out. Good segue. <laughs> so Vince thinks that like he's just incredibly proud of himself. He thinks that he's worked everyone. He's got the big balls again. And Linda absolutely just completely cockholds him and says, all this time... You've never owned 50% of the company. You own 25%. Me and Stephanie have equal 25%. And Linda goes on to say that as of this morning, since she found out that Vince put Stephanie through all of this torture and all of this months of suffering has all been Vince's fault, that she sold her equal shares of the company to someone else. And then she goes on to say... From now on around the office, we're going to have a relaxed dress code like cut-off jeans. (laughs) Profanity is going to be allowed in the office. And why not let's have drinking on the job? And then the glass shatters. Stone Cold walks out in a tie with a clipboard. And like 10 minutes after Vince thought he screwed everyone, he gets screwed himself by his arch nemesis. I'm glad that we're finishing here because it's a fitting ending because this was genuinely a great segment. It was great when Vince, uh, the, the, the build up of Shane, Shane's promo was um, a really great promo. Vince McMahon revealing himself was awesome. And then finally, Austin coming out with a tie and uh, berating Vince and getting fi- the final upper hand over him. I just thought it was, it was such a. Uh, is the exact sort of thing where I can point to somebody and say, well, you don't quite get what's going on here, but this is why I'm a wrestling fan. This was a fantastic promo. And I like, I'm so happy after weeks of watching all of this crap, like it ended on such a positive note. It felt like the light at the end of the tunnel for once. It's very rare for a wrestling fan to be satisfied by what we're given because things change so much and the conclusion is never what, what we want or need. This, this was satisfying and I can't quite comprehend that in, from what I've been used to and what I've been fed by wrestling over the years that something can start well, have a touchy middle and then end well even though it's in a completely different way to what it was supposed to be well it didn't end very well for undertaker though did it no it wasn't a very good full circle for him i mean the only he lost the championship to austin again before going into that weird unit with the union guy he loses it to the oh no yeah yeah he has a match with the rock and wins the next pay-per-view then the pay-per-view after he loses it back to austin and then he has <laughs> big show turns heel again and him Jesus and big Christ. him and big show become a tag team that's ridiculous what's still in 1999 yeah so around SummerSlam time it would be now. so show came in heel turned face and turned heel in six, in months. six months yeah and he he, oh, he, was, God, he was heel for WrestleMania 2000, wasn't he? Because it was... Yes, he was. It was Rock, Mankind, Big Show, and Triple H. Triple H was heel, Rock... No, was he face? Because Mankind was face. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't think Big Show knows. 
Big Show never knows what he is. So what what are your what are your final thoughts on the Ministry of Darkness? Then you've seen all of this build up. You saw the Ministry at their peak. You saw the inclusion of Viscera and um, Midian. We saw some moments that are still memorable to this day. We saw the Stephanie abduction. We saw. Uh, the crucifixes are still such a great image. Oh yeah, the crucifixes. You had one of the one of the very memorable moments of raw history that you actually the only thing you you watched every heat in six months, but you missed take a pretending to be Kane. That's a that's a moment that people will remember. Yeah. Um. So what did you what did you think overall? I think, as far as horror tropes go, this this is full of the best horror in wrestling i've ever seen but as its own storyline i think it was a complete failure and it's it's a shame that undertaker i maybe he didn't have enough control over his own character or i don't know what but like i think he was massively down he didn't have he wasn't allowed to be the wrestler we know that he could be and he was put on the microphone far too often i think you make some really valid points I've got mixed feelings overall. I'm glad that I watched it. I'm glad that I got to know this era of history uh, because I, I, I didn't. I basically knew next to nothing uh, about the Ministry of Darkness. The only thing I'd ever seen was Undertaker being in the driver's seat in that limo clip at the end of Backlash. That's all I knew about the Ministry. I feel like aesthetically they were oh, one of the yeah. coolest. That was crazy to me that you didn't know the reveal. No, I didn't know the reveal. That's I, what I think. That's why I loved it so much. I thought that was just common knowledge that Vince was the higher power. Like everyone just knew that, even if they didn't know the story. No, I'd never come across that aspect of of uh, wrestling. Okay. Aesthetically, they were one of the coolest looking factions around. I definitely believe that they, had, like, even the, the the WrestleMania 15 Undertaker Raven cape and the goatee, and the music, and viscera, everything looked awesome. Some of it was really bad, some of it went way too far, but I think for the majority of this period, we've been solely focused on the ministry, which shows many of the ministry's faults, but these segments, as they're taken with everything else just shows how rich this product was in sort of entertainment and contact content at this time the fact that the ministry was just another part of the show shows how strong the show was and overall i thought the ministry was okay because it i feel like it actually exceeded its potential because it was written in for undertaker to go have surgery maybe they exceeded expectations but I don't know, like like you said, like at the end of the day, this is wrestling, and I feel like the Ministry never gave us a memorable wrestling match. Sure, they gave us a ton of that's true. They gave us a ton of moments. They gave us like some horrific horror things, some visuals, some stuff that creeped me out. But there was no actual decent matches. That's true, and I feel like that. I guess that's what happens when you put a injured taker, a viscera, and a Midian into a faction together. Yeah. Um, it is a shame. And it's a shame because I, you know, I didn't watch any of the Austin taker matches. So it's actually quite sad to hear that they were all sort of subpar because it, obviously those are two of the biggest names in wrestling history. In 99, but, they weren't good. In 98, they were far better than anything taker did in 99. 
So it feels like Taker just Taker was injured and then Taker was rusty and then Taker didn't really have his mojo back because he wasn't particularly into his own storyline at it this point. It seemed like that. He just didn't have his mojo. He was in a slump. The best match that I saw throughout the period was Ken Shamrock versus The Undertaker, which got boring chants from the crowd. <laughs> so, But yeah, no, overall I enjoyed myself. I wouldn't say it was the greatest faction in wrestling history i'd much rather watch main event mafia but yes (laughs) you know i didn't Uh, hate it yeah so kind of a success kind of a fail so the next couple of weeks of our horror season we're going to be doing movies yes we are we are going to be doing i think we agreed on wrestlers versus zombies which is your pick and features such superstars as Freddie Piper, um Shane Douglas, Kurt Angle, Jim Duggan. And um the female wrestler they always forget their name, Mickey James. Okay. So and then I want to do Santa's Slay, which is Goldberg playing a serial killer Santa Claus. Sounds fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. So, if, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing your pro wrestlers versus zombies, which is what you've wanted to see for ages. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing Santa's Slay again. I've already watched it before. It's pretty much the first thing Goldberg did after. Um, you've already seen it? Yeah, I've seen it once, like when I was about 12 or 13. It's the, like the only the first thing he did after leaving WWE. Back now. Yeah, I don't remember any of it. Cool, cool, cool. Take it easy. See you there, man.